Welcome to Joint Effort with Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons. This podcast covers the pain and injuries that are associated with muscles, ligaments, and joints. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jason Sullivan, host of Joint Effort. Tonight we have with us Dr. Paul Butler, who is a Des Moines Orthopedic Surgeons, actually chief in foot and ankle surgery. Uh, and uh, he's here to talk about different ankle disorders, including Achilles, injuries, as well as some ankle fractures and some potential arthritis of the ankle. Sounds good. Welcome, Paul. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. So Paul joined our practice about was it three years ago or four, four years ago? ago? Four yep. years ago now. Yep. And very quickly, you're already a medical director at a surgery center. Is that correct? Yep, up in Ankeny. Uh, that's where my main office is. And then we've got a surgery center up there that uh, the guys up there work out of. And, yeah, it's great. We love it because it's nice to bring those services up to the Ankeny community um, just because we haven't had a strong orthopedic presence from an actual physical location standpoint. But now being able to be up there for Ankeny itself, which is a growing community like crazy, but then also all the smaller communities around there. Because when you're looking up into Polk City, Huxley, extending all the way over to Bondurant, Altoona, Pleasant Hill, all that type of stuff. That area is just growing and growing. And so it's nice to have patients to have a closer home. There's nothing wrong with coming out to West Des Moines. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. No. But but at the same time, it's nice to be up there. And we've got, we, we love our home up there. Well, I recall the decision to, to bring an office up there. You essentially created a practice out of nothing, out of a vacuum, correct? Were you the first, one of the first guys yeah. in that office? Yeah. And so there were there were three of us that are up there, uh, myself, Dr. Brunkhorst, and Dr. Isaacson. Uh, there were some of the main folks that went up there in the first place and just going around and meeting the community. And it's even crazy now after we've been in this building now for over three years and we still have folks that come in and they're just like, hey, I never knew you guys were here. <laughs> and it's, just, it's just like one of those things is that, you know, you just don't know <laughs> until you get out and about and it's and right. it's good that a lot of people don't know that there's orthopedic surgeons around the corner because that's mean they're not hurting yeah, and so sure. but but at the same time when these problems arise it is nice to have those folks to where they're like hey you know this is close to my You're home the neighborhood base. doctor yeah. instead of having to yeah. travel you know 30 minutes exactly. in the morning or whatever exactly and so so yeah i think it works out well and it's just nice because you know being in the community myself and then uh, the other guys are up there as well and it's just uh, it's truly it's truly our home you know we, i still come out to west des moines a couple times a month um, to help take care of different patients that live in different areas and just convenience factor for people but but yeah it's it we enjoy it up there so you are from a a marriage of two docs yep so your wife's in medicine what does she do she's a peds hospitalist over at mercy and so yeah we're going different directions a lot and so it takes a lot of planning from schedules and so forth um but yeah it's 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 worked as well did you guys ever have a discussion like hey at the end of the day let's not talk about our careers or how's that work there are times like that yeah you're just like hey (laughs) can't hear about one more sick kid and she's yeah. like I can't hear about one more foot or ankle yeah. or I think it goes both ways though and so there's there's definitely those scenarios where it's like hey we just got to change tune and we've got you know a couple young kids and things and so they're they're always changing the topic of conversation but a level of understanding I would guess exactly. if you come home frustrated yeah most of us come home you know long day whatever it may be and uh, you know the last thing any of our spouses or kids want to you know you know one wants you bring work home but if you bring it home I would guess she could help address it with you in five or 10 minutes yeah. and move on. Yeah. Yeah. It works okay. out well. And so, yeah, it definitely goes both ways. And, and so you're the father of two now. You have a yep. newborn. Yep. How so old? Three months. So we got three months and two years. And so, yeah, they're, they're going in different directions all the time. And so born on like day one of quarantine from COVID or pretty darn close. 
And so wow. I guess if you're going to spend That'll be quarant- a story for your yeah, kid. I was going to say, if you're going to spend quarantine anyway, you might as well spend it at home with a newborn because you're yeah. not going anywhere Were you else. allowed to be there when yeah. the kid was born? Yeah, we were. So dads are still allowed. Yep, and that was that was it. But you were pretty much in lockdown in the hospital and all that type of stuff. It's crazy, crazy deal. Okay. And, but that's kind of what everybody's living these days. Yep. And so, but yeah, it'll be a story for, for the next so generation. So I, I know you like being outside, um, and I know um, you enjoy golf. Yeah, I made the mistake of when you joined the practice four years ago, inviting you out to play, thinking, oh, show on the ropes. And then you went out and just beat me in front of my friends. It's okay. But uh, you were a pretty good golfer. You played in high school. Yeah. And so and played played kind of back in the day, become definitely more recreational and social. Did since you think then. about playing at Drake or was that a possibility? You know, I kind of thought about it, see how it worked. But then kind of when the things come up of whether, you know, it's kind of like, where are you going to go with things? Are you going to be a professional golfer? Are you going to be, you know, going into something else career-wise? Right. You know, kind of rose to the top where it's like, hey, you know what, we'll focus on the studies and, you know, still always being nice to be able to go out and use it as a commonality amongst people. And You weren't going to make the PGA Tour, so you thought yeah. this is a more stable yeah. environment for the future. Yeah, that's kind of the way that it's okay. going right now. So from Drake, you went to Iowa for med school. Yep. And then Grand Rapids for? Yeah, went up to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um that's an incredible community program. It's correct? awesome. It's awesome. Grand Rapids is great. Um, maybe it's just me being naive from Iowa and not knowing much about the state of Michigan to start with. But I went up there and met with those guys, and they've had they've got the second oldest orthopedic residency program in the country. Um, is that right? Yeah. And so they've wow. got a long history. They've had long um, development of the program and working with the different hospitals in the community and docs and so forth and amazing training and then I actually stuck around and did my fellowship up there as well um, and it That's was usually a good sign yeah and so I mean, I'm say it's coming from somebody that did something similar right well med school and residency <laughs> at the same place so I mean it just they couldn't get rid of me but for you they yeah, probably say, selected you to be never their, know. their foot and ankle fellow right yeah and so yeah. stuck around and the guys up there they're uh, well respected within the foot and ankle community and they work hard and so it a lot of good minds to work with and then also uh, definitely staying busy and having high exposure so that's what you need before you go out there and you're all on your you need own. to see a bunch of things yeah and because that's, when you start on your own it's you're on your own well, yeah and that's the biggest thing it's like you know what I mean there's stuff that happens 0.5% of the time or 1% of the time it's okay that's great that you did 10 but right. statistically you got to be seeing a hundred of these before you're able to see those complex things and be able to differentiate the minutia that's out there of saying, okay, is this normal? Is it a variant? And kind of how you make those decisions clinically and how to put people at ease when something, Hey, we're, we're okay. Yep. So foot and ankle seems like in the last five or 10 years has become a pretty popular fellowship choice. Is it getting more popular? It has. And why is that in your mind? I'm, I'm 100% biased. <laughs> of course. <God. laughs> and so, so you know, from my perspective, I think the big thing is that when you're looking at foot and ankle, you know, I think maybe people are just learning more about it. And from an orthopedic perspective, and kind of the cool thing is, one, it's I think that it's intellectually stimulating because it's a complex area of the body. And, uh, you know, it's the first thing that strikes the ground. And so I always say that, you know, the little kid song, the hip bone's connected to the knee bone, it's connected to the foot. Yeah. And so it's how you strike the ground. Is that as in-depth you get with your practice, too? Yeah. Is just that simple? Yeah, we've got, we basically have crayons and coloring books <laughs> and stuff like that in the clinic, and that's about where we're at. But, you know, sometimes drawing pictures is all we need, and that, and that makes the most sense to people, too. And so it works out well. Um, but I think the big thing is, is that, you know, taking something that's complex and then trying to simplify it into 
okay, what makes sense to people, you know, the lay person. And so then they can walk away from a visit and say, okay, why am I having this problem? What do I need to do or what can they do on their own without even, you know, maybe even needing to get more in depth at that point. But just the understanding. So you view yourself almost as a consultant to inform people as to their problem. Because a lot of these things can be corrected with postural changes, orthotics, therapy, stretching. Completely. Completely. Speaking of stretching, I think I called you like three months ago. I could barely walk on my right side. And, and uh, in like three minutes, you're like, hey, man, you need to stretch your calf. Yeah. I was like, is and that so that's simple? Huge. He's like, yeah. And so I did that and it's gone. Yeah. And okay. say if there's if there's anything for anybody that's got foot and ankle pain, you know, there's, you know, there's always exceptions, of course. Right. But I think across the board, it's like the amount of people that come in my clinic that just have tight calves and you know they come in and they're like hey my big toe hurts and then eventually we're having this conversation of how it's all connected right you know literally the, <laughs> the, the, the thing that I, you're right exactly and they're like nursery rhymes here we go <laughs> and so but it's all connected and they're just like oh yeah they're like it's because i'm putting too much pressure out there too it's like maybe i have some arthritis right. or whatever the case but i'm putting too much pressure so if i can get some off of it then i can hopefully back off the pain or whatever problems we're working with so so yeah definitely stretch 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 and that helps you know everything from the foot up to the ankle and the achilles and all the way up the so chain let, let's talk about the achilles because yeah. as uh you know we both enjoy sports and we know the Achilles injury can be a career changer, if not an end, a career ender for a lot oh, of people. Oh, totally. Uh, and this became popular. Kevin Durant, I believe, had Achilles tear. Yep. Kobe Bryant, about seven years ago, had an yep. Achilles rupture. Uh, on and, The list goes on and on. Not yeah. all athletes get back to playing after their Achilles exactly. tear. Is that correct? Yeah, and so when they're when we're looking at a professional athlete perspective, um, you know, they definitely have different demands than us, you know, even though sometimes we try to think that we're at the yeah. same level and – but yeah, exactly. But when we're looking at timetables and expectations, because that's always a big thing of saying, okay, where am I at today? And then where can I expect to be at, you know, two months, six months, 12 months? And we've shown that from those professional athletes that about half of them retire after they tear an Achilles. And so, you know, that's disheartening to myself right. and, and so forth. It's like, okay, man, if I blow mine, what am I going to do? Why, in your mind, why is that? Confidence. The brain is crazy. And really? It, yeah, it is. It's because the whole thing is, is that um, kind of situation is that, you know, when people tear their Achilles, they literally like they push off and somebody's like, hey, who kicked me in the back of the heel? Mm-hmm. And it's because you don't think about your Achilles at all during the day. Mm-hmm. You take it for granted, strongest tendon down in the lower leg, connect down to the ankle and you just trust it all day, every day you expect it to be there. But when it's not, your brain says, what? What's going on? And then, tell, what does Achilles do for people? Just as rudimentary as you yeah. can get. It comes from what muscles, attaches where, and what, what, what purpose does it serve? Yeah, so from a big picture perspective, you've got two main muscles in your calf, your gastroc and soleus, and it runs down to your heel bone. And it provides your push-off strength to be able to walk, jump, run, sprint, all those types of things. And so the thing is, is that even if you're, you know, whether you're 80 years old or eight years old, every time that you push off, go up and down a step, you're using that Achilles. That's giving you your push off and gives you balance and it just allows you to live your life. And so the thing is we take thousands of steps a day and for thousands of steps a day, today I haven't thought about my Achilles once. Okay. But if your brain doesn't have that connection. Not even as a foot and ankle guy, you're not thinking, step, oh, that's my Achilles. There. And say I do when I'm tight and I haven't stretched my calf muscles, then I think about them because they hurt. Is being mm-hmm. tight a precursor for rupture? Theoretically. 
And so it all comes down to general biomechanics of if you're over tensioning something for once again, thousands of cycles a day for, you know, hundreds of thousands of yeah. days when you're adding everything on top of each other, it's just increased wear and tear. And so in addition to that, you know, that puts a little bit of a precursor, but then there's also some genetic variants of how blood flows derived, whether somebody's had some previous scar tissue in the area. Um, so there's a lot of other variables, but definitely like I, 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 honestly can't think up off the top of my head where I've had somebody that's had an acute Achilles tear. I examine their other side yeah. and they're, they're loose and have great motion. It's like, you're tight over here. And it's like, Hey, has this been sore? And they're like, yeah, it okay. gets kind of hot when I play basketball. Okay. And it's like, yeah, it's because this was, they had it coming. Then. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that you had a problem before. It's just that we've been overstressing this structure for so long. It's just that unfortunately it just happened to be that and day. Is there, su- is there such a thing as a partial tear? Yes and no. I think kind of in the big things, if we're talking about kind of Achilles tendon treatments, it's the Achilles works or it doesn't. Okay. And so in the grand scheme of things, I think no. Um, if we're looking at it from a microscopic perspective and we're getting MRIs or doing even like some lab samples where people have done biopsies and so forth, there is such thing as a partial tear. But it's usually more that this has just been a chronic condition. So a partial You've got some tear scar is, tissues. You, know, you may have a couple fibers intact. Yeah. Okay. And it's like it's if, if you've got an endpoint, and your Achilles is functioning, then you've got some different algorithms that you can go down. So before we get to talking about like fixing an Achilles, yeah. um, tendonitis, Achilles tendonitis, tightness, things like that, what can be done other than stretching? So you got to stretch, you need to do some PT. Yep. Do you put people on a boot occasionally? Uh, what can be done to offload you know, what they're feeling and avoid a potential tear? Right. And so I think the big picture is ultimately you've got to get the pressure off of it because that's, you know, this, the inciting event that's causing us to have the inflammation flare up in the first place. So the other options like boot saying, okay, you hurt really bad today. Let's get this thing to settle down. So when you're, you know, walking and so forth, it's not causing much of a problem. So boot's reasonable. And what does the boot do for them that So then it, it, it makes it so you're not having to push off as hard okay. directly through your Achilles complex. And so it allows it to calm down. Or so they can still bear weight, don't have to be crutches. But right. Okay. Right. And so it allows you, it's always a balance. And so it's like, okay, this hurts. And I know this is really annoying. <clears throat> But you still got to live your life. You still got to go to work. You still got to, you know, get kids out of bed. You still got to, you know, do all your stuff. And it's like, how can we balance this so then we can still allow your life to continue? Because that's never going to stop. And then also getting your Achilles better at the same time. So boot, you can do some heel wedges. So kind of like giving you a little heel lift where it's just kind of pumping up your heel. Kind of like think of it like a high heel. Um, Just trying to get some pressure off of it. And all that's trying to calm the inflammation down. Why can't you just throw a little cortisone in there? Cortisone and tendons, I don't like because it increases your rupture rate. Okay. And so, yes, steroids, you know, if you're doing it into a joint or something like that, you can get inflammation to go down. And, yeah, if you inject it in there, it can cause the inflammation to go down, but then also your rupture rate goes up. And so injecting it isn't a good idea. There are some options, though, with physical therapy, and it's called iontophoresis, where you do, like, a topical, whether okay. it be steroid or anti-inflammatory, and they use, like, ultrasound and other things. So you to, prescribe that. Yeah, to try to drive it down in there. And we have seen some good benefit with that and be able to avoid. But once again, that's controlling the inflammation but it's not controlling the cause what about the orth- orthobiologic options are you know that's coming becoming more in focus yeah. and we're trying to find some avenues is right. there any in your mind in your practice or any role for it um i think the biggest thing is it has a role in the respect that if we're looking at all this and somebody's got bad tendonitis, a young athlete and something where they're like, Hey, you know what i i do not want to go through the surgical recovery and so forth um 
isn't an option, yeah, because there's definitely the healing factors, and they've shown that there's some anti-inflammatory benefit and a lot of other things that can promote the healing of the tendon okay. in the area. But not yet standard of care. For right. That. And right. so the tough thing is, is if I lined up 10 people, who out of those 10 people is going to see the significant benefit from it? That's what's hard to tell right now, because I don't okay. think that we've fine-tuned it in where it's like, hey, you do X, Y, and Z, and this is, you know, in that algorithm of, boom, this is going to be a home run for you. It's a hey, you know what, if we're kind of out of options and surgery is what's left and this is all we have, you know what, I would say kind of like okay. in those situations, the biggest side back, side or drawback of it is it makes your wallet a little bit lighter, unfortunately. Right. And trying right. to, once again, never being sensitive to that fact whatsoever because that's 100% real. Um, but it's hard to be able to give that strong confidence that this is going to be the home run that you're hoping for. So besides tendinitis, or maybe this is a component of tendinitis, you can get a spur that attaches to your yeah. heel, correct? Yep. The calcaneus? Yeah. And you can get a spur there that potentially can irritate things? Yeah, completely. And so... What do you do if you've tried everything that doesn't work? Is there a surgery that can fix that? Yeah, there is. And once again, kind of understanding why people have the spur in the first place. And so I get kind of simplifying things. I, I would say bone is dumb. All bone knows how to do is make more bone. And so if you're pulling hard with your Achilles on the bone, then the bone tries to protect itself, and then that's where the spur develops from. Okay. And so it's the tightness that's causing the spur and the irritation. But then what happens is, is that on the back of the heel, well, whether it be with just shoe wear that we have in, you know, American culture, but then also additionally, there's just not a lot of space back there. And so tissues are tight over the top of it. And then the spur also becomes a problem. And so kind of differentiating whether it's a tightness problem or if it's an actual spur problem kind of determines some of that. But if it is, hey, you know what, this spur hurts and it's right on the bump, this is killing me. I've done all that easy stuff. You can go in and take that spur off, and so then you smooth it out. But then you also to get to address, that spur, you have to take the Achilles off. Yeah, to be able to get a good approach, in my opinion, that that's that's what you need to do. Because there are some ways that you can try to kind of skirt taking the whole thing down. But what happens is is that where that scar tissue is, where that spur wraps around we're kind of cutting corners uh, to be able to do that. And so taking it down and there's some great reattachment options now that I'm really confident in. And so, you know, it doesn't slow down the process very much. And, and I think that the reason we're doing surgery is because of the bump. So do we want to cut corners to maybe not get all the bump? No. And, and that's why you're there. And so it's like, okay, maybe it takes an extra week or two of, you know, cooling it and not walking on your foot. But in the big picture. At least picture, it's not going to recur on them. Exactly. And so that's the whole thing is that then, then you're addressing why you're there. And when you sit back and it's like, yeah, that stinks. You know, I don't want to do another couple of weeks of not walking on it. But it's like, okay, but that's the whole reason why I'm here. And, and it's uh, usually a pretty So those attachment options, I would assume, are, you know, you put some anchors in the bone and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the Achilles actually ruptures itself, describe that location and where that usually occurs. Yeah, usually it's higher up. You know, there are instances where it actually pulls off the bone. I'd say that's more of the exception than the norm. Um, Usually what happens is it's kind of like if you feel the back of your ankle, kind of where that cord is, that's your Achilles, and kind of that area that you most commonly feel, um, that's where it ruptures. And the reason that that's the problematic area is because that's where the blood supply is bad. You get blood supply from the top, you get blood supply from the bottom, and that middle is the watershed area, kind of, once again, simplifying things, going back to, like, geography and elementary school and middle school, is that's that watershed area, and so it's problematic tendon, extra pressure, that's where it pops. And so you end up going in and you just sew the two ends together, reapproximating the tension, and then you slowly stretch it out as you're going. Where is your uh, incision? Do you go straight? 
first yeah, year? I go, I go over the top of it. You do? Yeah, and so okay. we kind of do a smaller incision. It's not too big. From how you mobilize your ten- tensions and so forth, um, you can get you can get access through a pretty small approach in the grand scheme of things. And obviously wound healing is one of the major complications yeah. that can happen. Yeah, right? for the so, exact same reason. Okay. And so it's the exact same vascularity. thing. It's the vascularity. It's the same blood flow that goes to the skin as it goes to the tendon. And I always say that, you know, your thigh, you got that big beefy muscle there that brings all that good blood flow. There's nothing back there. And so going slow at the beginning to get that incision to heal up. And then after that, then we can start getting okay. people stretching and so forth, starting at really two weeks. We start working on that range of motion and getting so that, are getting you, that you, tendon pump. You're pumping. an early rehab protocol yeah. guy? Yeah, I'm an early rehab Weight person. burn right away? And so I wait on I, – I let them use balance at two, at two weeks. Yep. And we start working range of motion. And so it's really balance from two to six, um, but range of motion starting right away at that two-week two point once the incision looks good. So okay. two weeks of locked up for the incision purpose. Okay. And then you go to a boot then? Yeah. And I'm, I put people in boots at two weeks. And then, then everything else, though, is that there's so much from a rehab perspective. Not only we need to give the tendon time to do its thing, but we also got to get all the other soft tissues going. We've got to get your foot just getting the fluid pumping through. we got to get you touching your foot. we got to get water running over the top of your foot from a stimulation perspective. And you just feel so much better mm-hmm. in a boot when you can shower. You can wear regular clothes. Okay. It's just okay. life once again. Yep. It allows you to continue on when this other stuff is getting better, but it just takes time. Is there someone who shouldn't have their Achilles fixed? I remember a po- like a point and counterpoint thing I attended 10 years ago where they had an article that said, you don't even need to fix Achilles anymore. And I was like, this is this sounds crazy to me. But are there some people that, hey, non-operative care is the way to go? Completely. And, you know, from a total nerdy perspective, I, you know, I'll talk to my buddies that are foot and ankle surgeons across the country. And, you know, we share notes all the time, you know, picking each other's brains and such. But every once in a while it'll be like, Butler, you're such a bad athlete now since you're old that I don't think I'd even fix your Achilles anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like total nerdy thing, but just to like <laughs> dig at somebody. Yeah, yeah. that's the medical joke. Yeah, that no one yeah, gets you yeah, yeah. That's when my wife from the other room tells me to be quiet. Yeah, uh, that type of a thing. But but no, like the thing is, is that there's a lot of situations where you don't have to, and the studies that have come out that says you don't have to fix Achilles, they're more of a unique situation, and a lot of that literature is coming out of Canada, and how they they they've done an amazing job of educating their general population of you tear your Achilles, you don't walk on it at all. Like it pops on the court, you get carried off the court and you're in a clinic within 24 hours. So then you splint it with the ankle so then you, and yeah, Aquinas. Yeah. But then you put your foot down, like yeah. your foot on the gas pedal yeah. and you splint them like that to get those ends reapproximated right out of the gate. This has got to take forever though, compared to it is, it is surgery. slower. It is slower. And there's been some good studies within the U S military that have been able to compare them. Um, they've shown that they've equal on both sides, been able to get people back to activity. Um, but you're looking at, there's a couple months difference of being able to return back to, you know, whether to even just be walking, jogging, you know, further advanced activities. And so in somebody that doesn't have high medical complications, um, whether they've been walking on it or not, yeah. kind of the decision comes okay. in as like, okay, you know what? I just got to once again I got to get on with my life the world doesn't stop in these types of situations so why do some athletes take a year to get back it's the confidence it's just thing. confidence so it could is. they go back at six months so from in a some from a strength perspective yes but it's but it, like once again just kind of referencing some of the people you talked about is like Durant's return got delayed because right. of because of you know some of the COVID stuff, but also he thought he was going to come back before that, and he was slowed up with some of where he was at supposed to be on his rehab. Okay, and then even like Kobe, he was like, hey, he was like he was cutting, jumping, doing all this stuff, but he's like, man, I'd go up hard on the side that he tore, and he's like, I could do toe rises, I could do leg presses, all that stuff, equal strength. He's like, I would go up, nothing was there. 
Hmm. And he's like, my, it was just like, it just, it's just your body just yeah. doesn't trust it. Yeah. And that just takes, it just takes time. And well, we know, I mean, confidence from ACL reconstruction, mental is as big as physical. Mm -hmm. So it's the same, yeah. essentially the same thing. Yeah. And so it goes back to the is 13 there, months. Is there strength? Will it truly get to become the same? If there is. Will if, their explosion level <clears throat> be the same as they were in in the big picture yes okay um i think that that's kind of a little bit from a on a grading perspective of taking things in context because like if you take professional athletes that have everything at their disposal and it's like hey i gotta push as hard as i can or else i'm gonna retire um they've shown that they're getting pretty darn close like within a standard deviation of what you'd consider as being normal okay um from a recreational athlete perspective what ends up happening is is that we get to six months and we're like hey i don't trust this and this has been going on for a long time you a lot of times you just find something else to do or you play differently yeah, or you say fair. hey you know what maybe this is the sign i shouldn't be playing pick up with my buddies every saturday morning <laughs> and so, so you then go but then you go find something else and they're like i'll never tell somebody to stop doing stuff it's like go be active but then people change and then it's like okay do we truly know because it's like right. hey are you playing basketball anymore no but I quit for other reasons because I found right. something else. Exactly. Why is it that age group? Like, why doesn't a rookie in the NBA tear their Achilles when a 10-year vet does? Why does, a, as you were telling me, you have a bunch of basketball coaches that are our age or yeah. a little bit older coaching their kids Yeah. that tear? What is it about the – is it the aging process? Is the tendon yeah. weaker? Is and it? also we just get tighter as we get older. Okay. And so it's, you know, if you could tell any – you know, if you talk to an athlete that's playing at 40, what could you tell your 20-year-old self? Stretch more. It's just that you just gradually get tighter, and so it takes longer to get loosened up. And so it's that tightness, that's that extra strain on the tendon, and that's the big picture that causes it to pop. And th this is an embarrassing question, but if you have a long Achilles versus cankles, <laughs> are you at increased risk for long Achilles versus having really short Achilles, do you think? I'm say, asking for a friend who has a cankles, <laughs> okay? I just want to know, you know, if, it's, if I should keep I would, playing basketball or not. I would say, theoretically, <laughs> it may be protective. You know, you can tell your friend that. <laughs> having, a, having a shorter tendon. Yeah. Okay. As I was going to say, the cankles may be, pers may be protective. It seems like extent. it would Just be protective, because, like, right? Yeah, because the, the muscle. The lever arm and the. Well, and the muscle just has good blood supply. And so you've got muscle that ah. extends down lower. Yeah. And so you've got your blood supply goes down further. Because if we're talking about, okay, you know, certain options from a reconstructive perspective when the Achilles is completely trashed. Okay. Um, I'll that, let my friend know. <laughs> I'd be one, happy to know. One of the options is bringing in kind of a muscle belly from in one of the tendons underneath. Oh, for tendon. reconstruction yeah. if you need yeah, if you actually, more tissue. Yeah. And so, FHL, is yeah, that what you're talking so bringing about? in the big toe tendon. Okay. And the reason that that works great is not only is it close by, it's in the same um, phase of gait. So it, your brain trusts it to push off at the same time so you don't have to, like, rethink about how to walk. Yeah. But it also, you've got the blood supply because that muscle goes lower. And so you bring that in and it brings great blood supply. How often are you doing that, Togma? Um, I don't necessarily do it in primary cases because, you know, yeah, in revisions that they didn't heal or somebody that's had long standing scar tissue in the tendon and you got to go in and the problem is that you got the scar tissue. You got to get the scar tissue out or else we don't solve that problem. And then you kind of usually get left with a very wimpy Achilles that's left or something, potentially nothing at all, and you got a gap. And so then you're augmenting and using this to bridge your gap and then you bring in the blood supply and they heal up pretty darn well in the okay. grand scheme of things. Okay. Well, Paul, you are a substantial addition over the last four years to this community. Uh, your expertise and your leadership that you've already demonstrated is amazing, and it, uh, no doubt it's benefited patients in Ankeny and, and, and Iowa statewide. So thank you very much for coming yeah, on tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely.